Good afternoon, America. For those of you who are tuning in to see Glenn TV, uh, he is, of course, in D.C. right now. He will be joining Eric Bowling for our State of the Union coverage live from D.C. We have got a bunch of special guests. We've got Sean Spicer. We've got Corey Lewandowski. We've got Mr. Bill O'Reilly and uh, several of our Blaze TV hosts will be joining us throughout the night. We will have uh, Ben Ferguson, Steve Dace, John Miller will also be live from the Capitol. And um, the most exciting part is Eric Bowling, after the address, after the State of the Union, will be heading down to the Trump Hotel lobby bar. And he will be doing his broadcast from Trump Hotel bar. I mean, you're not going to see that anywhere else. You're not going to see that on CNN. Okay, so make sure to tune in. Blaze TV, we're going to be on YouTube Live. We're going to be on Facebook Live as well. Um, So we are going to bring in, we're going to have an hour-long version of the news and why it matters. And we're going to give a little bit of State of the Union preview coverage at the end of our show. So now I present to you Mr. Stubergear back from uh, the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. How's that voice doing? It's uh, mediocre, I would say. Strongly mediocre. (laughs) Uh, Yes. um, So big story today. Uh, yes. for me, is America apparently hearts socialism, um, which I'm not exactly excited about. Oh, good. Uh, what could possibly go wrong? Stuart's just sharing <laughs> evil grin. Jason Buttrell, chief researcher for the Glenn Beck program. What's your top story? Um, some comments that came out today in a Senate hearing on the uh, pullout of U.S. troops from Syria that really, really worries me. All right. And uh, Mr. Andrew Heaton from Something's Off with Andrew Heaton. Uh, there's a congressman who wants to give the presidency more power over taxes, and I have a problem with that. So, That's shocking. Yeah. You, of all people, I would have never I guessed that you would have had I a problem. I don't like power. I just want <laughs> power to go away. <laughs> all right, Stu, uh, you said Americans heart socialism. Apparently really? so. We're seeing that more and more. Um, one of the two parties, I don't know if you've noticed, is going to run a, what is essentially a socialist candidate by all indications, especially after they have to fall all over each other to move further and further left to win the primary. Uh, so they're all embracing, you know, for example, Medicare for all. Uh, you know, Bernie Sanders pr- proposed Medicare for all in 2013 uh, and got zero co-sponsors. And now every single candidate that has entered the race on the left so far is embracing it. And everyone is expected to. I mean, maybe you get one like a Biden who says Medicare for all, only all everybody but a couple of people. Like maybe he won't give it to Bill Gates. Shot, like, shot, I, I shots fired, George. Right, exactly. Um, but there's going to be pretty much universal uh, acceptance of that. And now we're seeing uh, the, the latest uh, litmus test, apparently, to be a Democrat, is uh, these nice 70% tax rates that we used to have. And the fact that billionaires shouldn't even exist, they shouldn't even be uh, a thing. Um, and these proposals are coming out. And the crazy thing about it is not that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez thinks everyone should have 70% tax rates. That's no surprise to anyone. What is somewhat surprising is the universal appeal, apparently, to Americans uh, for these proposals. We have a bunch of polls that are out. Uh, Politico kind of put them all in one place. Uh, here are a few of them. Uh, 76% of registered voters believe the wealthiest Americans should pay more in taxes. Mm. Um, 70% of Americans favor raising taxes taxes on those earning over $10 million, including 54% of Republicans, uh, which is uh, absolutely amazing. Then you've got uh, Ocasio-Cortez has a plan coming up for a 70% marginal tax rate on income earned over $10 million. Uh, That came in at 59% approval. Uh, And Elizabeth Warren had a wealth tax she's proposed on people uh, who make too much money uh, for her taste. Uh, And that was uh, 61% supported. Now, 
I'll give you the little asterisks. I'll give you maybe a little bit of hope here um, in that uh, when you ask people, should the rich pay more taxes, everybody says yes. When you ask the rich, should they pay more than 25% taxes, most people say no because they don't have any concept that the rich are paying a lot more than 25% as it is. Most people think the rich are, you know, they're, they're robber barons and they're up there paying 0%. And they're paying nothing and we're paying everything. And like that's the, you get that told to you en- enough times, you, don't, you know, you believe it. And most people don't wind up making $10 million a year, so they never get to experience it, unfortunately. Um, so there is a little bit of an asterisk here when you actually look a little bit deeper in the polling. But that's just way too much approval for these things. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And so I it think... It also shows uh, way too much ignorance <clears throat> on part of the American people that the only reason that they're answering that way is because they don't know how much the rich already pays. Yeah, because I think uh, most people don't think it's moral to take 30 and 40% of someone's money, no matter how much money they earn, to take that much money from someone is acting as if you did you do 30 or 40% of the work to get it? I mean, no right. one thinks that. We all understand that we have a society and there's some uh, need to fund that uh, apparatus. I mean, obviously, everybody here, we all think it's too big and I think income tax is a terrible way to do it. Um, but still, there's a, uh, an understanding that someone has to pay, and if you've got the nine Lamborghinis, maybe you should be the one paying. I can understand that from a basic, under, you know, basic perspective of the average person. But I think you have to look at these things. Um, when you make a proposal for a new law, a new tax, you have to look at these things through a, a handy-dandy four-step process that I've developed. And I think this, is, this can help anyone in Washington kind of walk through this. Whenever you're proposing these things, ask all of these things first before they become part of your platform. So step number one, do we have the, uh, the list here? The step number one is benefit. Now, this is something that everybody does. This is the only step out of here that p- people do. What they do is say, is there a benefit? Is there a theoretical benefit to this pro- uh, policy? Where you'd say, if we take all the money from billionaires and we give it all to the poorest among us, is there any benefit? Taking that in a, vac- a vacuum, sure there's a benefit, right? I mean, yeah, people might be able to eat or pay their bills or go to college or whatever. You can do lots of fun things with that money if it were to be all yours. So first, there's benefit. The second one is where everybody stops. The second one is the cost. Yes, you can get a benefit out of something like that, but at what cost? Does it, does it discourage people who own businesses from hiring people? Does it discourage them from innovating? Does it discourage them from even wanting to earn, to earn more money? Why try if you're at $9.9 million? Why bother if they're going to take all, almost all of it over there? You're, you're, you know, you're going to stop. You're going to stop bothering, right? Or you're going to find ways around it, uh, which is another thing that a lot of people do. Uh, the next step is process. Uh, is it... If, you, if it does have a good benefit and the cost is not too high, can it clear the process? Is it constitutional? Is it legal? Most of the time, people don't ask that either. They don't bother with that one. And then four is the one that almost never gets asked, which is, is it moral? For, let's just say the benefit, okay, yes, theoretically, taking billionaires' money and giving it to poor people, there's a benefit to those poor people. Cost, let's say, well, they're bil- bastard billionaires and we don't care about the cost. Process, well, the 16th Amendment, I mean, it gives you a right to do income tax, I guess, constitutionally. But is it moral? Is it moral to take someone else's stuff to propose the thing that you're doing? Should you ever go after even more and more and more of someone else's earnings, someone else's possessions, something that you had nothing to do with because you feel it's important to take from them and not allow them uh, to do what they want with their own possessions. And a big part of this is, you know, if, if we're going to have, if we're going to have a, a welfare state or we're going to have some amount of military spending or government spending or whatever, we've got to figure out how we're going to apportion who, who pays for it. That's sure. a, fair, a fair conversation. 
When you look at Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and you look at Elizabeth Warren, the impression I get is that, yeah, they'd like to fund more stuff, but really they just don't want billionaires. So it's not a question of like, well, we need more money to spend for these wonderful things that we all agree is needed. It's just billionaires are bad. Let's use tax as a weapon to punish people for mm -hmm. being successful. And I do not like using taxes as a weapon, whether it's through cigarette taxes to discourage you dumb yokels for smoking cigarettes, whether it's to punish billionaires for being successful. If you don't like billionaires and millionaires, there's a very easy formula to just get rid of them. Uh, and that's what what's hilarious is France has already done this. These are not new ideas. Everything Ocasio-Cortez, Elizabeth Warren, everyone, their last administration in France already tried this. Francois Hollande was probably one of the more socialist uh, presidents they, they've had in for a while. For France, yeah, <laughs> um, he did the. Well, I think it was a seventy-five percent wealth tax and a, and a few other things. Um, the results of that were by twenty two thousand fifteen. Uh, by twenty fifteen, uh, I think it was ten thousand millionaires, not even billionaires, millionaires left the left the country by far more than any other place in the in the entire world. And, and in the United <clears throat> States, the, the the statistics, so far as I'm aware of it, is right now the the top one percent. If we want to use that weird artificial bracket, pays for about forty-four percent of the taxes in the United States. So if you scare yeah. off the one percent. It's paying mm -hmm. about half of the taxes right now. You and I now have to increase the right. amount of taxes we're paying. Yeah, yeah. but the, the very next year, this was just crazy. Uh, just to make this point, uh, the, the it didn't slow down, it, but it actually increased by another two thousand. All their friends live in Belgium now. Yeah, exactly, they, they do. They, they all Still moved out. Word? Yeah, real quick. They're, they're, this is having New York and Florida with the Trump tax cuts. They can't deduct the state taxes. There are all these millionaires yeah. are moving to Florida. I will include my fifth step in this uh, process, mm. which is not necessarily <clears throat> an official one. But if you go through and you got to find the benefit and the cost and the process and the moral is okay, you've probably still shouldn't do it anyway. <laughs> That's just something I'm trying to tell the government just as a general platform and that would probably be good. <laughs> All right, back in a minute. The, the hidden stuff. The problem is uh, it's, it's too informal the way they do it now. It's, it's, not, it's not informal. It's just, it's not... Jason, uh, what happened in the Senate today? So uh, there was a the general that's in command of forces in Afghanistan and both Iraq. He uh, testified in a hearing at Senate at, in the Senate, and I remember there was there was rumors before that, and I, you, you can't trust the rumors that you hear coming. That's just the way we are nowadays. But the rumor said that he did that the president did not consult with his generals before he decided to pull the, the troops out, and I didn't really believe that. Um, I, I knew something pissed off General Mattis, you know, enough to, to make him leave. But I just found it so hard to believe that he didn't consult with anyone and just, like, made the decision, you know, during his 5 you know, a.m. You know, tweet fest and said, mm -hmm. screw it, I'm pulling him out. But this is what this general is testifying. He's saying, yes, he did not consult me at all. It was a shock to all of us. And all of a sudden we decided, without even, t you know, getting our opinion on what the reality on the ground was, we, he just decided to pull the troops out. Um, they're moving towards that goal to, uh, to start, you know, with a timeline to actually get all of our troops out. But the general, when he was uh, testifying, said that, look, the reality right now on the ground is, is that ISIS has kind of gone into possum mode uh, or into turtle mode. They're playing the long game. So granted, they, you know, their caliphate is no longer a caliphate anymore. They only have 20, I think, square miles of territory. But if you think about it, that's stronger than Al-Qaeda ever was. Mm -hmm. They still have the ability. They're still hitting targets, you know, all throughout the world. Um, Al-Qaeda never owned territory like that. But look what Al-Qaeda was able to do to us. Now, ISIS right now, even though the entire world has gone to war with them, they're still alive and they're still vastly more powerful than Al-Qaeda was at the height of their power. That's scary. 
Um, and I actually went to Iraq. I went to Iraq uh, uh, about a year and a half ago or so. And it was right as Mosul was coming down. And I remember going there with a different story just to kind of see everything. You know, I wanted to see what life was like in Mosul and how, the, you know, you know because it's a historic time and see all that go down. But the story I ended up getting was all the lessons they had learned to stay alive this entire time. And I was like, wow, these guys have rewritten the rule book on guerrilla warfare and how to survive, uh, you know, in these like crazy, crazy odds with the entire world coming down on them. And it was frightening, all the things I saw. I mean, absolutely frightening. And um, we're actually doing a documentary about it. So that would be kind of a cool, this is a, instead of just kind of telling you about this, to actually show you um, some of the things that we saw. And this will be coming out uh, fairly soon-ish. Okay, we've been hearing that for yeah. about 10 years. So <laughs> but I'll now, it when I it's see no it. longer the unicorn. It is coming out. And uh, this is the proof. Check this out. In fact, our crew were the only foreign journalists given access inside Mosul during one of the last days of fighting there. We're at the uh, Iraqi Special Forces checkpoint and a whole lot of bureaucratic red tape to go through here. There's like a long line of journalists they're not letting in, but I'm hoping Ahmed can work his magic here. Because you guessed it, Ahmed is pretty good at negotiating. Yeah. We got our permissions to head to the front. Yeah. That's what it looks like, baby. Yeah. On the Mosul. We go to the Mosul. <laughs> We saw all the horrific scenes you'd expect from a war zone, bombed out buildings and vehicles. Iraqi soldiers continuing the fight. Dead ISIS soldiers. Terrified Iraqi residents who survived. The footage we got has never been seen before anywhere. It's historic. And, as you know, the army did take back the city, weakening and depleting ISIS from Iraq. But I still felt like there was more to this story. ISIS was able to hold this city for three years. How'd they do it? As I explored that question during my last two days in Iraq, I found something I never would have expected. So that, that kind of sets you up, but where it goes in, the story goes beyond that, is what I didn't expect was all of these innovations that they had learned. And the scary part was they are now prepared to unleash that. So they're going in, just as this general was just talking about, they're going into that turtle mode. And all of these things that they've learned, all these new tactics that have never been tried, I don't believe have ever been tried on a, on a battlefield, they are, they've now saved that up and they're going to unleash it the next time they poke their heads out again. Uh, I was told by a previous president that ISIS was just the JV team. Right. So you're telling me that that's not actually the case. He personally right. told you that? He did. Wow. Yeah, I have connections. We do have a Ooh. current president that is telling us they're defeated, too. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's uh, true. Neither one of those, I think, are right. Yeah. I mean, quite obviously. Yeah. Uh, well, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out just with, you know, it just makes me so nervous that people who were, you know, they could tolerate President Trump being elected always said, well, he's going to surround himself with good people. No, he's obviously not a foreign relations expert, but he's going to have his people around him that he'll listen to. And it sounds like that's not 
actually the case. He definitely didn't listen to the people, even if they are really great people and smart. Yeah. He didn't listen to them in right. this case, and that's that's very very worrisome. And you'll hear that tonight at the State of the Union. I'm sure he's going to tout you know serious success and yeah. ISIS success. But just keep these things in mind when when you hear him talking about that. Yeah, uh, Andrew, your top story: Congressman is proposing to give the president more power. More power. Oh, good. So I think we can all agree that the presidency has become anemic and weak. Over the last several centuries of, of American rule, I basically a figurehead at this point. Uh, uh, courageous Representative Sean Duffy has written legislation. He's a, a, a congressman from Wisconsin to give the president more power to raise tariffs. So normally taxation is completely vested in Congress. That is what the Constitution deigned, and it's uh, meant to be the more vigorous and active branch of government. Uh, he's proposing legislation to give the, the president power to raise tariffs. The, the problem I have with this are, are multifold. Um, first, I don't want Congress conceding any more power to the presidency. I don't care who the president is at the time. This isn't even a Trump thing. Congress has, is, over time, atrophied and just gone, you know what, the president's going to handle it. Or, ultimately, this happens a lot, unrelated to this. Um, we know that we need to do certain things, but they're unpopular, so we're just going to give a broad remit to the EPA or whatever to clean the water, and then they'll do it. And, and then when they do it, we'll go, ah, oh, the EPA for doing this. Congress does this all the time. It needs to actually do its job. And part of its job is determining what taxes are going to be raised. Tariffs are a stealth tax on you. They're a tax to punish you for how dare you buy per, uh, purchases from other countries. Uh, it's a punitive tax, but it is a tax. It's Congress's job to do that. And then the deeper part of this, and something that I suspect Glenn will probably elaborate on when he rejoins the program, is that if you do that too high, you get to the Smoot-Hawley level, at which point you just bring down the House of Cards, which is the economy. And right now, there doesn't seem to be a termination of the trade war. Everyone seems to be locking in and increasing. So the more we raise those tariffs, the more it's going to hurt you and me and other American consumers, and the more it threatens the actual global economy. So I sure hope that bill doesn't pass. What? How does he get more power? They've already given him all the power to do this, haven't they? I think it's giving him, as I understand it, more... Uh, <coughs> he, can, he can raise the rates where he can... Um, uh, uh, pick certain certain countries to target or something. I'm not entirely, to be honest with you, I don't fully understand why that's even a, a, a presidential remit doing, at all. Yeah. He's already doing this, right? I mean, he's already doing 25% for this amount and 10% on this amount and on the steel and aluminum, aluminum in these countries and ex exempting others. I don't know how much how he could have more power. To me, it already seemed like it was unilateral and, and uh, you know unstoppable, which, again, it's in the Constitution specifically that this is supposed to be handled by Congress, and Congress passed a bill to give the power to the president. Um, I, th I was going to. I was really hoping, as you said, that it was going to be the opposite. I mean, we should be having bills being proposed by Republicans, mm -hmm. by Republicans that say, you know what, we we are the one we can take the hit here, because the, the, if a Democrat, the Democrats are never going to vote for it when there's a Democratic president. Republicans have to be. If they had principles on this matter, they would stand up now and say, let's take the Congress back, uh, uh, the power back to Congress. The Democrats would go along with them because they just hate Trump. Yeah. And they could actually get this back to, into Congress where the founders designed it, that power to be. There's, yeah. there's actually a very good opportunity to rebalance the power uh, between the legislative and the executive branch right now if they were to take it. Mm -hmm. the, the demagoguery is kind of hilarious, though, because, you know, it, they're doing stuff like this to, uh, you know, to increase the power of the presidency. Then they also do stuff like, like on DACA. Like DACA, like the president tried to give the Congress back more power, yeah. tried to give that's it to true. him, and they, re yeah. they resisted that. And that's, that's part, like, I think part of the problem in the current political climate is that it, it, is, a, it is a football. Power is a football. And we, the, the whole goal is just for your team to have the football. 
again, I want to shrink that football. My, my analogy is terrible here. I want a <laughs> tiny football. I think, uh, I think what's so frustrating also, at least for me, is that, you know, Republicans are so quick to uh, point out whenever Democratic socialists say, well, I mean, socialism's going to work. And we're like, look at history. It hasn't worked. Tell us where it's worked. And then we turn around and on tariffs, we're like, yeah, tariffs are good. Let's do it. Let's do a trade war. And it's like, no, the history shows that that is also not good. Like, there are going to be negative repercussions. And it's just frustrating for me that as Republicans, like, we can't look and see that on both sides objectively. I will say that it's only happened every time it's been tried. So it, who knows <laughs> That's true. What's, what's next? It could be so, a, a, well, we a haven't done, We haven't done it equation. enough. Or the right way. Right. At some yeah. point, we'll get the exact right way, and then everything will work out fine. There, there, Thank you for that uh, dose of optimism. There is a Real silver quick. lining, though, to this, because even though they, they, keep, they keep trying to increase the power of the U.S. president, the U.S. president is the weakest leader in the entire world. And a lot of people don't understand that. The U.S. president is the weakest head of a country of any other country in the, in, in the entire world. And that's where people like in Europe are like, oh my gosh, who's the American president going to be? Oh my gosh, things, things are going to go pretty much the same as they were. I mean, because he's, he's a bully pulpit guy, does not have a lot of power. All right, back in a minute. You guys ready for your uh, daily dose of idiocy for the day? You ready? Yes. You bring it on. Okay. A 27-year-old man from India is going to sue his parents for having him without his consent. <laughs> he says that they had him for their joy and their pleasure, and he did not consent to that, and he wants to do something about it. That's very interesting. There's um, apparently a new growing uh, group that I forget what, what they call themselves, but that, that's their group is just like babies don't consent to being born. Who are you, parents, this is for like, having them and providing for them their entire life? Just to cover my bases, before I ever conceive, I go to a psychic beforehand to communicate <laughs> yeah. with the unborn child. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's and how you have to do it. Get, and then I get that, that psychic to sign off. Uh, and like write an X and then I'm good. Well, apparently, <laughs> apparently these uh, parents in India did not do that. Guys, uh, that's I mean, what you're psychic. <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, although that does force you to admit that it's a baby, right? Well, it has point. rights, right? Like if you're, that's so how if can he can consent? You then can he get, should have rights. Exactly. I mean, so I don't think this can pass because the left can't admit that they they can't possibly say that it's a baby, right? Even no. seconds before birth. Well, although infanticide is now okay now. So. Apparently. By the way, I, um, I was at the Super Bowl uh, this past weekend. Um, and every year at the Super Bowl, the same, I assume they're the same people because they're doing the same things, which is have giant signs about how you're going to hell. And they have <laughs> megaphones and scream at you about how you're definitely going to hell. Did you like the Rams or just a uh, no, well, the, the... It certainly was targeted at Patriot fans, I assume. Because uh, <laughs> obviously they, they probably are going to hell. Um, but, uh, uh, but I mean, they, you know, it's the same. Every big event has those people where they show up with the megaphones and, and preach and whatever. It's their right to go free speech and all that. Um, however, I saw a new group this year, which is sort of related to this conversation, uh, which was uh, anti-circumcision uh, protesters, uh, which is apparently uh, turning into a, a, a big a big thing. And I'll, just, uh, I'll, come, I'll throw a couple of bucks that way. Really? Yeah. Anti-circumcision. There you why go. Why would that be your issue? Right. I mean, it's and like, why at the Super Bowl? And very, very <laughs> grotesque signs. Uh, oh, yeah. Very. Uh, and I, I, would and go, the, I would go with puns. Right. I feel like if you're going to push against circumcision, we, go with puns. Yeah, we, we got to go, guys. But uh, up next, we're going to preview the State of the Union. Hmm. So do not turn it off. More to come. So white pants with like blood all over them. Oh, and ew. That's like, uh, yeah, this that's is not how you build show. it.
Welcome to the news and why it matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez. If you are just now tuning in to watch your regularly scheduled program, uh, be advised, we actually have an hour-long episode today. Go back and watch it uh, on Glenn TV. He is, of course, in D.C. in the swamp getting ready for the State of the Union address where we are going to have uh, plenty of coverage all night. Eric Bowling is hosting our State of the Union coverage. Um, I'll be around. Uh, Glenn will, of course, be in D.C. with Eric at the Trump Hotel D.C. bar. That should be fun. We've got John Miller live at the Capitol. Uh, we're going to be joined by Ben Ferguson, Steve Dace, Phil Robertson, Mark Levin. We've got uh, a lot of the Blaze TV hosts joining in for the State of the Union coverage so don't miss it. Uh, again, go back if you want to talk, if you want to listen to the top stories of the day. Right now, we're going to get into kind of a preview of the State of the Union, what we think is going to happen, uh, you know, what, how we expect the Democrats to act, and uh, just get into that. So stay tuned for that. But first, we want to thank our sponsor, American Financing. Stu, I know that you had a really good experience with American Financing. Yeah, the people there are really nice. They're uh, really responsive. Um, if you're going into buy a new home, uh, you know it's a huge decision to figure out what mortgage you're going to use. And uh, they really walked me through all the options. They were able to, uh, you know, give me all the details. I, I like going for really shady uh, loans. Uh, that's kind of my, my way of going. Usually it's a loan shark. They didn't recommend a loan shark, okay. no. Um, uh, but they, they were able to kind of like walk me through reasons why they thought maybe that loan was not a good idea for me. Um, however, when they found, I found one other place that had kind, was able to kind of give me uh, this, the type of mortgage I was looking for. And they said, honestly, like if, uh, if you can get that deal from somebody, if somebody will give you that deal, you should just go for it. They actually t- took my business and said, no, you know, go over there instead. That's I mean, that's honest. Yeah. I mean, that's, you don't normally get that out of uh, someone who's giving you a loan or, or uh, selling you a loan, right? Because yeah. this is, uh, it's not giving, yeah. but it's, you're borrowing money and you're paying interest for it. So you should get what you need. I mean, it's your, you know, it's not a gift that they're giving you. Right. And I will also add uh, my favorite part about them is that they are not commission based. So, I mean, to me, that's huge because that tells you they're not in it for the money. Anytime I deal with any other mortgage company, I'm like, okay, you're trying to sell me so you can make a buck off of me. That's not how they are at American Financing. So if you are in the market, go to AmericanFinancing.net or you can call 800-906-2440. All right, before we get into kind of a preview of the State of the Union, what we all expect to happen or what we want to happen, might I present to you guys a State of the Union bingo card. So for those of you watching, um, did Glenn tweet this out? I don't know if you he know? tweeted it. He was talking about it on radio today, though. Okay, I will, I will try to get a copy of this and tweet it out so that you guys can print a copy easily and play along with us. But uh, we've got Nancy Pelosi eye rolls in there. Uh, we've got border security. Oh, man, that's going to be a big one. CNN. Um, I mean, I would doubt that he would let a State of the Union go by without mentioning CNN. Yeah, it seems like no, it doesn't seem He's like got to right get a little dig. That, but yeah. I, I agree with you. I'm just saying what to expect from President Trump. I mean, I don't know. He didn't do it. I mean, last time was pretty traditional. I yeah. Thought. yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't actually remember anything from last time, which tells me that nothing really deviant occurred. <laughs> the, the, the North Korea part was like, I'll never forget that. I, I don't think he'll be able to top that moment. Remember when the, the guy that had lost an arm and a leg? And he had escaped, and they had. Remember, he was holding up the the crutches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the only uh, like experience I can ever remember from a, a State of the Union that I actually said, I "Yeah, I remember that." There was the wife of one of the soldiers that was the, the wife of someone who had passed away. That yes. was really powerful. Yes. Um, 
uh, as well. Uh, he did very well with those stories, and and you're seeing now, you know, the rumors are he's got you know about three dozen people there. He's <laughs> just like that guy did this, this girl did this, she did that. Like I think that's going to be ninety percent of the speech. He, that worked very well for him last time, and they were really nice moments and praised by everybody. I think. Yeah. Um, so make sure to print out your bingo cards, play along with us. Should be fun, but. In all seriousness, Stu, what do you expect to see from Trump tonight? You don't think that he will be combative? You think he will be buttoned up? Yes, I think he really liked the fact that he got a lot of um, uh, you know, sort of universal praise for moments and that. So I think he will do a lot of that. He's going to hit the, the typical themes you'd think Trump would hit. Unfortunately, probably will not hit my uh, favorite hashtag of make the State of the Union a letter again. Uh, <laughs> that's probably not going to happen. It's a pretty long I, hashtag. I, yes, it is. Uh, well, you can do SOT. How, how great would that be if he just he walked in? Handed a letter to Nancy oh, Pelosi when I fulfilled my like constitutional that. remit. I bid you good day. And yes. give up that platform. That's the problem. Yeah, he wants it too bad. Yeah. I mean, he want, he wants it too badly. You know, Trump loves this, and 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 it's why he caved uh, when it came to uh, dealing with Pelosi last time when she tried to block him and he was thinking about doing it somewhere else. He likes this. He likes the stage. He likes the pageantry. He likes the pomp and circumstance at some level. Uh, I happen to be more of a pomp guy myself, uh, not as much circumstance. Do you hate circumstance? Uh, yeah, I'm not a big yeah. circumstance guy. Um, but I mean, I, I would like to see something bold here and I don't. I just don't know if we're going to see it. I, I've mentioned term limits as I thought would be a really good thing for him to go after. It's universally popular with Republican, Independent, and uh, Democratic voters. It's more popular than the wall is with Republican voters. That's how popular it is. Uh, you know, he's got to deal with them. Trump's got to deal with term limits. Why doesn't you know every other crappy congressman that's been there for 40 years, why don't they have to deal with it? I think that would be a great one to do. There's a constitutional amendment on the table already uh, to just to do it. Um, I, I would love to see something bold like that. I mean, him making the case yet again for the wall, I just don't know how that's going to be effective. He's going to try to bring out... Um, uh, the rumors are he's going to bring out a couple of victims of uh, crime from illegal immigration, and it's true. I mean, people have been victims of crime. I just feel like he's done this before, and I, I don't know if he's going to be able to move the needle on something like that. Yeah. Jason, what do you think? Um, well, my biggest thing of what I think about the State of the Union is that I wish that it wasn't happening. I, same as, as you, I wish it was a letter. Uh, 8 o'clock tonight? That's mm. just painful. Um, but you, your okay, problem is the man. late hour. <laughs> like if it were, first of all, I can think of nothing more hellish than an early morning State of the Union address. <laughs> Like a 5 a.m. State of the Union address, I would become a socialist just to avoid that fate. <laughs> Very true. I mean, but that's my bit Netflix binge watching time. So okay. if it was like yeah. from six to seven, I'd be all about it. But now you're getting into my Netflix time. Um, but the other thing is, he missed a when he caved and uh, didn't do the State of the Union last week. He missed a historic opportunity. I mean, he made, could have made a huge political win by saying, "Screw that." It went down to the border. I mean, you can only imagine the backdrop to that. Every national news agency would have covered it. It would have been just like the State of the Union. And he could have had an awesome message like, look, Congress doesn't want to hear this from me. That's fine. They're not going to do anything anyway. They're not going to listen. So I'm taking it directly to you. It would have been epic. It would have been a huge political win. Should have done it last week. Um, so we get the same boring junk that we always get. Um, I, I, I don't think that there's... I, the reason I'm saying this is I don't think it's going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. There's no reaching across the aisle anymore. They're really not. He'll make a very impassionate case and part of it for the wall. Uh, he might even bring out some families like that that have been victims. But even though he'll say that, you know, these are victims of, uh, of the uh, out-of-control immigration and crime, the other side will just say, well, you're just, you're just calling every single immigrant a, cr- a criminal again. You know what I mean? It's like there's no winning either side. So you're talking about the actual lawmakers, but what do you think about the American people, even those who are Democrats? Do uh, you think they will 
find any sort of you know reasonable no, I, compromise I that their leaders should be having? I don't think so. I think everyone's entrenched in their own corner at this point. And I th- and I think the I think the polls still show the vast amount of America does or not the vast amount, but a, a majority of Americans don't agree with the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, many of us do. I happen to be one of the ones that do agree with the wall. Um, but the majority of Americans don't agree with the wall. But I don't think it, you're not going to find this one moment that's going to tip the needle either way. It really is kind of a sad and depressing state of American politics, really. That's how polarized we are. Or even in something like this. It doesn't matter if you have a Reagan up there, I don't think, you know, that's going to make this very, very awesome speech. I don't think it turned, I don't think it moves the needle yeah. anymore. Well, part, part of that, though, is that the, the, the needle's not going to be turned in part just because like not that many Americans are going to watch the State of the Union address. Like it, it, it actually doesn't like it's we are because we're nerds. Uh, and uh, and then like uh, I'm not a nerd. I just do it for my job. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but 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 anyway, like and I, you know, weirdly, I take that as a healthy thing. Yeah, that, that Americans yeah. are because I w- I would much rather that Americans be like ah, State of the bunch of politicians bloviating and getting standing ovations versus breaking bad like go with breaking bad yeah Yeah, i think that the the trouble with that though is if they're not watching it but then they're only getting snippets from you know cnn or someone like that he very well could be taken out of context you know they're going to play the most negative you know uh quotes that they can think of we can predict that right now right like that's what you you already know that's going to happen well right but so watching it would make sure that they don't watch it on cnn either i mean the problem is so many there'd be half of the electorate next time will have absolutely no idea what any of these opinions uh, what any of these issues are in any sort of detail uh it's not that they're not they're skipping one speech it's they're and they're check getting it on cnn the next day that's a highly informed american that's actually bothered to even watch the highlights i mean most people just don't care about this and it, they they shouldn't have to you know i mean i i kind of come to that a lot of you know it shouldn't be something that dominates our lives politics is a is a is a part of life and you know, getting the government out of my face is something I, I do prefer. However, even with the government at the levels that it's at now, I mean, I still enjoy my life and I still enjoy my family. Uh, so, I mean, it shouldn't be something that's going to overwhelm us. We, but we have to keep vigilant because if we don't, if the nerds and the people who aren't nerds but do it for work uh, don't stand up and actually <laughs> care about nerds. Can we just say what's <laughs> going on here? She's a hot nerd. Okay, Can you just say that? <laughs> if the hot nerds don't step up okay. and the other less attractive nerds don't step up, then nobody <laughs> steps up and then they Sorry, roll Jason. all over us. <laughs> so, so, how long do we have while the government is real? What, two more weeks for the government? February 15th, I think it was. Yeah. So, not even. Then one the more apocalypse week. yet again. Or yeah, it was right. So, today, right? So, yeah. what yeah, happens then? Do you guys have any predictions? Um, I, uh, I, I feel like we're, we're just going to be stuck with the same dog and pony show again. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I don't know that Trump is going to be able to get the wall. Uh, you know, Trump won the election partially. Because he was the only one who was willing to say wall, 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 wall. And he kept saying it. And then, you know, the Republicans got control of everything and it became kind of on the back burner. He'd use it at rallies and such, but didn't really go after it. Uh, now, he's now used it so much that even if they actually legitimately secured the border and did a great job on the border but didn't use a wall, to him, I think it's a loss. Yeah. Um, so he's, all they have to do to get anything out of him is just not give him the wall. Right. Um, so they could easily, instead of giving him $5.7 billion for the wall, get something huge from him, give him $1 billion for the wall, and he'll have to, he'll, he have to take it. He's put himself in yeah. a terrible negotiating position, which I thought was the one thing we're supposed to avoid uh, with this president. Um, he really is, because he has made it such a do-or-die thing to get this wall, 
and nothing else will suffice. Well, they know that's the one thing they can hold back. And now that they have control of the House, they can do it. I mean, if he really wanted to get this done, he needed to push when they had Republican control. And they didn't. it was not a big priority at that time. And now you're at a point where you really can't get it unless you give up something that I don't think is going to be worth it. I mean, I generally think a, a physical barriers in certain places is a, is a useful thing. And I think, um, you know, I think it would help. However, it's, you know, again, two thirds of the immigrants, the illegal immigrants are here that didn't come over the border anyway. Uh, there's still going to be people who get by it. Yes, I think it would help. But at, we it's it's become this like end all someone. I heard it on some news broadcast today. They called it basically it's, it's trophy. Like it is no longer about the wall and protecting people. It's about he has to have this thing he keeps saying he needs. It's his goal. It's mm-hmm. it's this constant desire. And if he doesn't get it, he loses. Well, I mean, if this is about the American people and protecting them, that's not the truth. We could we can secure it in a million different ways. And if the Democrats cared enough to to participate in that, there should be a compromise position. This used to be a position they supported. Right. Um, so I, I mean, I. I I don't think he's going to be able to move the needle on that. And, and come February 15th, I think there is a, a chance that the politics of it are so bad to go back into shutdown again that he may start losing Republican support. But that's the only thing I think that, that makes him change at this point. He has to have his people come out to him and say, no, I'm not going to support you anymore. Do you, do you think that it could get uh, disastrous enough that, that the Senate would pivot on him? Because I mean, McConnell's starting to buck him. Yeah. In terms of things like I, Syria. Like, yeah, yeah. So I, I wonder if, if, if it starts influencing like where the, the, the Republican senators are getting in trouble. I can see them going, listen, we're all going to come together and we're, we are going to vote on a budget that works. We've got enough people to yeah. override a veto. Look, the Republicans have been kept, kept in line, not because they like Trump, it's because they, they fear Trump. And if his fear, his, the power that is behind that fear comes from the people who support him. If the people who support him start to bail on him, that power goes away. And the Republicans are... They don't have a spine on anything. They will not have a spine on sticking with Trump either once they don't fear him. Uh, we're so far away from an election. I think he's still got a lot of wiggle room. If he went back into a shutdown, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But I don't know that he wants to do it. I mean, I, I don't think he sees... At some point, he stops seeing the win at the end of that. I don't know where the win is because they can just hold it back and it's always his fault. And it's, you know, I, that's politically a really tough position for him to be in. Yeah. Uh, we got to take a break. But first, going into break, let's take a look at the Democrats' mindset going into uh, the State of the Union. And when your son looks at you and says, Mama, look, you won, bullies don't win. And I said, Baby, they don't. Because we're going to go in there, we're going to impeach the He is impeachable. A lot of people don't want to talk about that, but I do. I think he almost wants to be impeached at this point. I mean, Uh, mean, I wasn't necessarily for impeachment until recently, but I think you have to go ahead and do it. I know it's pretty hard to convict, but if you don't do it with him, where is the bar? Do you still think the president should be impeached? Absolutely. Impeachment would actually allow him to at least do what he loves, which is to be a snowflake and pretend he's the victim and the Democrats are this and that. We should be impeaching for a political reason. This president needs to be impeached. And we shouldn't avoid impeachment for a political reason. So we just have to see how it comes. I'm just hopeful that the Republicans will stand up and accept their responsibility. Call it out. Call him for what it is. Uh, Help the American people to know that they will not stand for him and what he's doing. And join me in impeachment. They say, Maxine, please don't say impeachment anymore. And when they say that, I say impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. (laughs) My colleagues and the leadership 
would not like to hear me say the I word, but I say it over and over again, impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. The most important thing this country can do now is impeach this president. You guys are going to be in a situation where you would have to possibly take a vote on the impeachment of Donald Trump. Would you vote yes or no? I would vote yes. I would vote uh, on what On what basis? Uh, because I believe he's committed a crime, and people who commit crimes need to be impeached. Well, she didn't rule out impeachment. Do you want to respond to that? Does that concern you? Does that concern the president? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't concern the president. Before we get into that crazy, crazy impeachment rant that we just saw, I want to thank our sponsor, Relief Factor. So I forgot to take my Relief Factor yesterday and my son was really sick and I slept as, you know, crazy worried mom does. You'd probably call me a helicopter mom. I slept on his floor in his room because I wanted to make sure that I was there to monitor him if he woke up. And I could not get up this morning. My my entire body was so sore. And I was just like, oh, man, Did you man, have a I'm mattress or were you just on a rug? Or what just were you on the rug. Wow. I wrapped myself in a padded blanket and thought, okay. like, I'm still young. It's fine. Same I'll feel thing, fine. Same thing for me. When my wife kicks me out uh, <laughs> of the bedroom onto the couch, I wake up with a stiff neck. But what she don't know is I got my three-week quick start back. Oh, there you go. Well, I forgot to take mine yesterday, and I was so upset this morning, and I'm still feeling it today. But uh, the folks at Relief Factor have developed this 100% natural, so it's drug-free, pills that you take. And it works for me. It works for Glenn. I know that it's worked for Jason. It targets the inflammation in your body. So you think that the pain is coming from, you know, well, it's my muscle. Well, it's, you know, okay, but if you're inflamed... That's what's usually causing the pain. 70% of the people who buy this three-week quick start, quick start pack for $19.95 go on to keep purchasing it. It's working. It's working for the majority of people. It can work for you. If you're looking for a way to get out of pain, go to relieffactor.com. I'm still uh, hung up on Jason, who thinks he's getting his wife when he gets kicked out of his own bedroom and is in pain because of it. Oh, I got her. I'm taking I'm taking Relief Factor, too. It's all about little, little, yeah. little victories. Very Zing. small. Very small, yeah. Uh, all right. So I want to kind of dig into the clip that we just watched because there was a lot going on there, and there were a lot of accusations being hurled. I didn't really see any evidence uh, purported as to why Trump should be impeached or <laughs> what crime he could have possibly committed, Stu. It's really just a statement of, uh, it's a virtue signal, right, for the left. Just to, the, the more you'll say impeachment, the better Democrat you are, right? And that's certainly where I think Ocasio-Cortez is. And, um, you know, Maxine Waters is just insane. She'll say it about anything. Well, I think she, uh, she's clearly getting applause every time she says it. Like, even in the exactly. clip, she could tell. Like, like, and I, I, I think this is even a Maxine Waters thing. Is politicians are attracted to applause like, like moths to a flame. So mm-hmm. if you're doing something that your base loves, you're going to gravitate towards it. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, hey, look, is there a case for impeachment? Certainly not now right like the Mueller report hasn't been released at some point it will come out and we can look at the evidence and maybe who knows they'll have video of Donald Trump walking into Vladimir Putin's office and handing him the last copy of the Constitution I don't know what we'll find but at some point that evidence will come out and if there's an impeachment case in there then then I think most uh, rational Americans will look at it and say gosh that's really bad that's a crime or hey that's nothing Right. The politicians are going to do what they do. But uh, the impeachment will only happen from the left if they think it's politically uh, beneficial to do it. Maxine Waters is super far left. Ocasio-Cortez is super far left. It is beneficial to their base. Right. Nancy Pelosi. 
I mean, I think she sees the bigger picture of I want to win. I want to win elections. I want to hold the house. I don't want to look like I'm just attacking this man unfairly, because if I do, then it'll come back. Not because he, he she does not care about him at all. And she does not care about what is right in due process. But she does care about winning the next election. So she will only do it if there's a really, I think, obvious case and something, uh, you know, where they think it's going to benefit them politically. Jason? I'd be all about hearing a case for impeachment if they actually made one. Yeah. Like, if the president did something that warrants it, I want to know about it, and I don't want him to be president if it's true. Right. And I think what you said, the rational Americans would all, I think, agree with that. But the problem is, and especially when they say these things in public forums or in interviews, most of the time they just get these softball questions, and they don't like actually hold them to these accusations. So they're so they're able to use you know impeachment as Mel Gibson yelling freedom, you know, and charging yeah. everybody's like ah oh, huzzah. But like, on what grounds? Like, can you make a a, a case for obstruction? Maybe I, I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of that maybe they have their own little focus group and you know the DNC somewhere, and they've already made the case for obstruction. I, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. But if it's if it's as simple is like like if the BuzzFeed thing that came out to be this now disputed or actually said was not true if that was true I'd be all about the case for impeachment because if he told someone to lie in court uh, and to Congress that's an impeachable offense yeah now if there's things like that I'm all about hearing the case but you can't just be like like I was surprised Van Jones actually said you would support impeachment yes on what grounds usually they don't even get that right get that right well and i think that that's uh you know if you think about all the reports that have come out there have been some that have proven to be accurate and some like the you know the trump tower meeting and the the trump moscow letter of intent and some of these things that were rumored for a while turned out to be true some of them like the buzzfeed story you mentioned uh it looks like it's not true but the bottom line of that is with the exception of probably that one buzzfeed story even the things that have just been rumored haven't risen to the level of impeachment. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we haven't even seen a report yet that shows that he had a, a committed a crime. The, the, the only thing is this uh, Cohen lie to, uh, he, he was supposedly told Cohen to lie to Congress, which the Mueller uh, investigation came out publicly and said didn't occur. So, I mean, I don't, even if you believe things that aren't completely disproved yet and just holding out a glimmer of hope, I don't see where this is. There are, there are people that have committed crimes. It does seem that way, that like Roger Stone and Manafort. And there's, there's definitely people who have done some things wrong over their lives. But I, I don't see what they have here. I don't think there's anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, so before we go to break, I just want to, uh, you know, Democrats are talking about impeachment on one hand. Let's hear a little bit of what they themselves are proposing. I'm very proud of the successes that we've had in recent years in pushing a progressive agenda, mm-hmm. health care for all. From this moment on in New York City, everyone is guaranteed the right to health care. Everyone. If you're not healthy enough to go to that job or finish your education or raise your family, universal health care, the ability for everyone to see a doctor. Who of us have, has not had that situation where you got to wait for approval and the doctor says, well, I don't know if your, your insurance company is going to cover this. Let's eliminate all of that. Let's move on. Raising the minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour. Minimum wage is no longer a living wage. It's a poverty wage. And I'll tell you one thing for sure. We win the election in the first 100 hours, we will pass a $15. Making public colleges uh, and universities tuition free. Every child, no matter where you are born, should have access to a college or trade school education. Demanding the wealthy start paying their fair share of taxes. Once you get to like the tippy tops, uh, on your 10 millionth dollar, uh, sometimes you see tax rates as high as 60 or 70% as you climb up this ladder, you should be contributing more. Those ideas 
uh, Ali, which a few years ago seemed to be radical ideas and not kind of mainstream ideas. You know, if that's what radical means, call me a radical. In case you missed it earlier, we have special State of the Union coverage going on tonight. I feel like it's going to be all night. Uh, it, I know Jason said that he's pretty old. He uh, can't hang past like 8 p.m. But the rest of us will be watching uh, and joining in for State of the Union hosted by Eric Bowling. And it's going to be on Blaze TV. We're taking down the paywall uh, so that you can view that for free. Uh, it's also going to be on YouTube Live and Facebook Live. There's no reason not to miss it. And bonus, we have a bingo card. So, I mean, do you think, does CNN have a bingo card? No, they're just going to bash Trump the whole time. We've got a really fun bingo card uh, that you can, you can follow along with us. You can play bingo. I mean, bring the kids in. It's a family affair. Uh, but we will have special guests, Blaze TV host Glenn Beck, of course. He left us to go to D.C. because he's like cooler than us, I guess, and gets invited to the State of the Union. Uh, Mark Levin. We are going to hear from Phil Robertson. We've got John Miller. He's going to be live inside the Capitol. Uh, Nate Madden is our congressional correspondent, also going to be in the Capitol. Ali Stuckey. We've got Ben Ferguson. Steve Dace. I will be looking at uh, the social media tonight, so... Send us your questions, send us your comments, hashtag BlazeTVSOTU, and uh, we will try to get to as many of those as we can. Come on, we've got State of the Union coverage. Eric is going to be at a Trump Hotel bar. You can't go wrong with that. You can't go wrong with that. So tune in. It is 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central, and we will see you guys then. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.